This is Good Schools for All, a show from Voice of San Diego about how schools work and how they don't. I'm Will Huntsbury. In this new age of gun violence, schools and students must ask difficult questions. Not if the next shooting will occur, but when and where. In response, most schools across the country now do active shooter drills. Kids as young as one even do them. This week, we take a look at the impact to students and parents, and how the specter of a shooting weighs on schools. Yet another school shooting in which the suspect has a connection to the school. And an accomplice in connection with today's school shooting. It happened in Santa Rosa. Anything that might explain America's latest deadly school shooting. A string of gunshots. We've used this phrase of the new normal. Unfortunately, school shootings are becoming much too commonplace. We're bringing you the episode today in three parts. First, we'll hear from Voice of San Diego managing editor Sarah Libby. Sarah has a one-year-old son who goes to daycare. Recently, she learned, after the fact, that her son had taken part in an active shooter drill. And she wondered if she should have had the option to opt him out. Sarah talked to our producer, Nate John. They didn't even tell us beforehand, which I feel like they should have. They just sent us a message afterwards saying, hey, just so you know, we did this drill. Um, It was very jarring to get it and pretty upsetting to get it just out of nowhere. They use an app to send all their updates like, Teddy ate his lunch. Teddy peed. (laughs) And so they sent it out as as a message and it was like, hey, parents, just wanted to let you know um, we did a shelter in place drill and they did so good. We went into you know, this bathroom in the dark and they call the kids friends. So like our friends did great practicing this. So they said, you know, some of our friends were sad about it and some of our friends felt okay about it. And just thinking about that was like such a gut punch, like some of them being scared and upset and not really knowing what was going on. Like you had no notice that that was going to happen, right? No, not not at all. Because it seems like it sounds like uh, they asked a very, or they write a very normal like, oh, this is a report of what happened thing, but not really addressing like how serious it was. Yeah, and I think they, I'm sure they tried to do it in an age appropriate way. Like to be clear, my son is one year old. <laughs> He's not yet two. Um, so it's a group of one and two year olds. Yeah. Um. I wish that they would have provided us notice, and I think we would have thought pretty seriously about opting out at that point, um, if that was a possibility. Um, But I'm also, like, really, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, the school shooting in Santa Clarita that happened last week, and one of the stories I read was so heartbreaking, but it, it said, like, all the kids just knew to crouch down they knew to turn the lights off they knew to silence their phone they just knew this checklist of things to go through because it had been like so ingrained Mm -hmm. in them and so i do want him to like be on autopilot if something ever were to happen and to know even when he's really really scared that there these are these things you can do but Mm -hmm. like at what point do you start yeah, like when that. should that be normal? I never would have assumed that they would do that. Yeah, type of I was thing for I wasn't really prepared for it. 
Why would you have opted out if you had the choice? Or why would you consider opting out? Just because I don't think he's old enough. When's old enough? I, I don't know. But I would have liked the chance to have thought about it. They have passed a law now that requires, you know, public school children to participate in these drills. So, mm-hmm. you know, five-year-olds have to do it um, in an age-appropriate way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it would be fine to wait until mm. until then. I don't really know how talking with a one-year-old works. Like, what they take in, if they can give responses back, or if you can read their emotions on something that's complicated, like danger. So I asked Sarah how she handled that with her son. Yeah, so it said in the message, like, we encourage you to talk about it with your kid. Um, and it's, you know, kind of especially hard for us because um, our guy isn't talking yet, and so all communication with him is one-sided and it's really hard to tell like what he understands or knows because he can't say words Mm -hmm. and so you know like I gave him a bath last night and I just said you know I I know that you guys went in the bathroom at school and maybe it was a little bit scary Mm -hmm. um but you know your your teachers are there for you and they're trying to help you learn how to stay safe Mm -hmm. and you know just very basic I really don't think he knew what I was saying or understood and he was just splashing around in the bath Hmm. so it's it's hard yeah like it makes me wonder what also it's just me not knowing a lot of things about children like what registers as whether it was scary or if it was just like a group activity in the dark bathroom yeah I mean when they said that some of the kids were sad and scared and some weren't I just assumed that my son wouldn't have been scared because he's like on the slow end of comprehension Mm -hmm. and and kind of processing those types of things so i just sort of assumed he was kind of going he was chill about it and now our friends are in this room and Mm -hmm. and now we're going to do this weird activity and i Mm -hmm. just assume he was fine with it i haven't talked to his teachers about it yet um but even just thinking about you know the other kids who are maybe a little more aware of what's going on being scared is upsetting Part two, the older kids. First up is Ella Hall. Nate called her while she was on Thanksgiving break from school. Uh, yes. My name is Ella Hall and I am 12 years old. So, can you tell me at school what happens when you have one of those drills? Like, what... How does it start? Last year when I went to elementary school and we had lockdown drills, um, there was this like they there was this bell that notified all of the students. And then the teachers like turned off the lights, closed the doors, um, locked the doors, and they closed the blinds on the windows and then we kind of all um we kind of all went into this like corner. Mm-hmm. We just stayed in that spot like silently until the bell rang again to notify us that it was finished. But when they start the active shooter drill, you know what to do? Yeah. So... Because 
Um, we kind of start it in kindergarten, so we kind of just have caught on to what we do. What do you do? You remember what it was like to do it in kindergarten? Um, I don't remember what it was like to do it in kindergarten. I don't think any of us really knew what was going on. But in first grade, I kind of remember. Um, it wasn't actually very scary because the teachers told us that it was just a drill. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were mostly just focused on staying quiet, or like they, um, where we like usually read, so we're like kept occupied. So. I don't really remember what I was feeling, but... Hmm. I guess for your most recent one, had you done it so many times that it, like, it wasn't interesting and you weren't, like, thinking or feeling anything? Was it just boring? Um, I think for some people it's boring. It's a, it's kind of boring, but if you have something to do that, like, keeps you quiet... It's an occupied. It's not incredibly boring. <laughs> <laughs> so, do your teachers talk about like what would happen if a if there was like an active shooter situation? Do you know what you're supposed to do? Like, if someone actually comes into the room where you are, um, they don't really talk about like it actually happening, but they tell us like what we're supposed to do. And I've seen like a couple stories about it, like on the news and stuff like that. Residents in Santa Clarita, California, still trying to digest the chaos after a school shooting claimed the lives of at least two students. America's latest deadly school shooting. The gunfire at Santa Fe High School began just before eight this morning. We have several shots fired. So what are you supposed to do? So if there's, I imagine if like there is like a situation at school, they'll do, you'll do the thing that you usually do during drills where yeah. like, you close the door um, and then you hide. But if someone comes into the room, do they tell, do they tell you what to do? Uh, they don't actually tell you what to do. So when you, do you ever talk about it with your friends? Um, I don't usually talk about it with my friends. (laughs) Having drills is kind of just like a normal thing that we're used to, so it's not really the most interesting topic for conversation. (laughs) If one of your friends was scared because they, like, went through a drill um, and they're thinking about it, like, what would you say to them? Well, I would say to not be scared because we know what we would do and all of the staff that are hired, um, their their job is to protect us so we would be safe. And I don't think like in our area, like in La Jolla, it's not very common for um, uh, shooters to come into our schools. So to just not worry about it because the likeliness isn't very high. And if it did happen, like it wouldn't be that bad. La Jolla is an extremely affluent part of San Diego, but school shootings, unlike so many other parts of American life, don't discriminate between rich and poor. Last year in 2018, a student at La Jolla High was arrested for threatening to carry out a shooting on campus. He made threats to other people, and threats on social media. That wasn't very long after the shooting in Parkland, where 17 people were killed. 
After Parkland, there was a surge in school threats in San Diego County and around the country. But San Diego has also experienced very real school shootings. Back in 2001, in a span of three weeks, shootings happened at two different schools. Each of those schools were in East County, about 20 minutes from La Jolla. Painful memories for San Diegans who lived through two school shootings in the early 2000s. Our tenders reporter Michael Chen is joining us. And Michael, you just spoke to a woman who worked Last with night, the Santana High School shooter who murdered two students in 2001 is asking for his sentence. The first shooting happened at Santana High School. Two students died. The second was just days later and only seven miles away at Granite Hills High School. Jennifer James was in government class that day. It didn't feel real. And um, once that first shot fired towards the office and you could hear the glass breaking and the doors exploding, <laughs> then we knew it wasn't a drill. As Jennifer spoke about she told NBC7's Rory Devine about the experience. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Just a lot of therapy, <laughs> a lot of um, healing. I mean, you'll never be the same, but it gets better. Life goes on. Since 2001, attitudes about school shootings have changed completely. They once felt like a terrifying phenomenon that were too horrific to continue, much less increase in frequency. But the drills and the news have made the threat of a school shooting commonplace to today's high schoolers. Leonardo Venegas is a really mature sounding 16 year old who goes to Otay Ranch High. Uh, my name is Leonardo Venegas. I'm the class president of 2021 at Otay Ranch High School. I'm also the representative for all 2000 students that go to my school. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I happen to be the chairman of the school side council as well. Chairman of the school. His school is close to the U.S.-Mexico border. It's a very, very fun school. It has a lot of school spirit. So the, the teachers are great. The classes are great. Nate, our producer, caught Leonardo when he was with his family. They were about to cross into Mexico for the Thanksgiving weekend. How's it going? Leonardo wrote to Nate because he wanted to discuss how shootings are talked about at school and what the drills are like. Do you remember the first one you went through? Like the first one that happened at school? I, I kind of I do. It was in, so my education, well, kindergarten to the first half of the third grade was in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to the United States, uh, I, it would seem very weird. weird. It kind of seemed like hateful. Like, oh, we're just playing a game, but the teachers to say this is not a game, it's just a drill to mm -hmm. something that could actually happen. And, and you know, I just got used to it. The process almost gets boring, the way older people used to think of earthquake or tornado drills. It's very common. Uh, teachers, would, they were usually gone, the speaker, say we're having a drill, and the teachers know what to do. They lock the doors, turn off the lights, and tell everyone to get up away from the doors and the windows, and we hide. Where That's do you how hide? it usually goes. Either under the desk or as far away as the, as the door or the window. Okay. So how long do you guys uh, wait in place? For like two minutes. And usually they have a police officer on campus who's there 
opening the doors, checking if they're locked or not. Oh. Hmm. Uh, so after two minutes, um, then what happens? Oh, uh, they we just return back to class like nothing happened. Oh. How's because it? That seems how... that common. It's huh. that common. How often do you do those? I would say like twice a semester. Oh. Recently, it's usually once a semester, but with all the shootings recently, it's been twice. Leonardo says everyone in his class has thought about this, about what would happen if someone came into their classroom with a gun. What was especially unique for him is that his teacher actually led a discussion about it in his English honors class. That's something we all thought about. We all have thought about. What if something were to happen? And what do you think about when you think about that? I, I think about, like, what if somebody right now would just come into the classroom and shoot and shoot up everyone? And everyone said, oh, well, you would just go try to get there, try to defend yourself, try to overpower the person no matter what. Hmm. And have you had to think about that a lot in high school? Well, recently with all the shootings, yeah, it's been a little bit traumatizing. Hmm. Do you talk about it with your friends or people in your classes, like not when the teacher no, is No, even though it happens a lot, we don't talk about it a lot. We just try to ignore it. We're usually like, oh, there was another school shooting. Okay, another one. Let's move on. Let's get on with our daily lives. Because it's got to the point where we feel like we can't do anything about it. Is there anything one that you thing. want um, – like schools or teachers or like school officials or administration to do more of like, is there something that you think people should be doing that they're not doing to address this issue? To actually address the issue. Yeah. That, that would be all to just actually talk about it. Like my teacher did that when my teacher talked about it, it was the entire period we were talking about it. Oh, so I, I really take pride in, in, in her and her actions. So I think every teacher to actually talk about it with their students, take the time to actually teach it and do something about it. Where am I catching you, by the way? Where are you? I'm at, I just crossed the border, actually. Oh, okay. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy with, the rest you. of your week, okay? You too. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye-bye. Part 3. What Schools Are Doing to Prepare Reporter Kayla Jimenez has written about this, and she joins me now. So, Kayla, we're going to start with this grand jury report. Um, Grand juries are a kind of unique thing. Um, They are a panel of community members that's designed to look into things in the community. They might visit prisons and issue a report on how clean and effective those prisons are. They might do a report on bird scooters and give prospective new rules for how those should work. In this case, they wanted to look into school safety. So can you tell me what they found? 
So in May 2019, the San Diego County Ground Jury investigated how prepared schools across the county are to respond to active shooter situations. And that was on the basis of active shooter situations that have happened across the country. And they noted the handling of a few cases that have happened here in San Diego, uh-huh. which were a case in 2001 at Santana High School in Santee, another in 2001 at Granite Hills High in El Cajon, and then in 2010 at Kelly Elementary School in Carlsbad. And they examined those schools and other schools' comprehensive safety plans that each individual school has power over implementing. So each school has to have its own safety plan, is that right? Right. So each school has its own safety plan. The county office of education creates a template of kind of what schools should follow, but each school has control over that. And each year they update that plan. So the so what the grand jury did was take a sampling of plans at schools from across the county. Um, what did they think of the plans that they looked at? So they found that those San Diego schools have done well preparing for active shooter situations. There's still a lot of room for improvement. So, so every school has to have its own plan, right? Right. So state law mandates that each school updates its safety plan every year, and it varies by school to school. Um, and it makes sure that those safety plans encompass potential hazards like active shooter situations. Right. So even though a school might have a very different plan than the next school, the San Diego County Grand Jury went in and examined a lot of plans, and they felt comfortable with most of them. Right. And I think the San Diego County Office of Education's findings that there could be more to be done helped them create a template for school districts to kind of make it a little bit more uniform so that there's more proactivity in handling school shootings. Right. And the County Office of Education is a governing body that kind of has an oversight role over school districts in the county. And so that's why it makes sense for them to be handing out this template. Right. Over those 42 districts in the county, which there's a lot of schools. So the grand jury said that schools seem to be pretty well prepared on the whole, but um, when they said there was room for improvement, um, what specifically were they looking for? Right. The grand jury said there can be more training and resources. And then the San Diego County Office of Education recently said there's a need for new and updated safety policies. So in your reporting on this, uh, you basically spoke to the person at San Diego County Office of Education who heads up school safety issues across the county. Um, I was going back and reading your stuff, and he said that the community is in the middle of a mind shift on this. Um, Can you tell me what he meant by that? Right. So Tim Ware, he is one of the people in charge of safety at the County Office of Education. He said um, community members and parents almost want to live in the 1970s where they need to come around to living in the future and so when he's saying that there needs to be a shift in mindset he's essentially saying this is a fact of life that these school shootings are going to happen and that we have to face that reality and we have to be very prepared for it right it's his job to be proactive and really send a message to the district and to the schools across the county that there's a really need to be prepared 
Um, and so you listed some of these six areas uh, that he tries to work with schools on. Uh, can you talk about some of those? Sure. So Tim Ware identified six, and I can go into them. He said access control, which is, are things like gates and security on campus, um, effective communication, which are ways to communicate to the public if something were to happen on campus. Basically, so if like there's an active situation happening, uh, a message goes out to police, an emergency, and, and members of the public, things get locked down, stuff like that. Right. And then clear response control, which are like sound systems. Um, so it's not just bells and whistles letting people know, but that there's an actual process in place. And that goes back to communication as being communication internally in the school if there's a active shooter on campus so would that mean like what what gets practiced in an active shooter drill like there's a certain kind of announcement that goes over the airwaves and then teachers are supposed to do a certain thing students are supposed to do a certain thing mm -hmm. and then that goes into the next thing which is well-educated and trained management staff which goes back to the grand jury's report that there needs to be more training for staff and administration on what to do in that case so is there anything else on Tim Ware's list of, of stuff to be aware of. He also noted that security office is adequately trained, so people in and on campus are trained, and that whether there are processes in place that have social and emotional well-being for kids before and after, if there were a case, because I think we see a lot of the times where when there's a school shooting, we have counselors flood in, but whether the where those resources are coming from is something to prepare for. So basically having a plan in place of where we would get the counselors we need to bring in to help people process the traumatic event that's happened. Right, so mental health presence in schools. So Tim, Tim Ware identified these six areas for the county and every school in the region to focus on. And it's not always easy to prepare for something like an active shooting that you hope never happens in anywhere, much less where we're living now. And I think a lot of the times parents, when you think of school safety, there are things like bullying and fights and different things you can think of, but school shootings kind of come to the forefront now that it's such a prominent issue in the country. So I think that the county is doing a good thing by being proactive, but it's going to be interesting to see how schools kind of follow up now that this grandeur report has come out and that the county is taking action. This has been Good Schools for All from Voice of San Diego. I'm Will Hunsbury. Keep up with everything we're doing at Voice on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Voice of San Diego. I've also got a newsletter you can follow. It's The Learning Curve. Find it at vosd.org slash learning curve. Our next episode is our last for the season. If you've enjoyed the show, well, that makes us real happy. Share it with your friends, leave a review, do all the things. My co-host for the show is our CEO and editor-in-chief, Scott Lewis. The rest of the team is Nate John, Megan Wood, and Adriana Heldiz. 
The show is edited and mixed by Nate. Thanks for listening. Talk to y'all in a couple weeks.